This afternoon's edition of Ask the Preacher was recorded earlier. Please hold your calls. I had colitis for probably probably about 18 years, and I could not eat out wherever I wanted. I have bowel movements to the point where I would pass out, but my husband would carry me out. I, I can't begin to tell you how many times he had to come and take me out of bathrooms, women's restrooms, and, uh, and take me to the hospital, or sometimes an ambulance would be called. No one could help me. I was told that I had to learn to live with it because I had had everything done that was known to man to do for me. It's a life that I would not wish on anybody. Uh, we were having a uh, dinner after the service, and Pastor Wayne had come in from playing football. He said, what is it that you want me to do for you? And I said, I believe you need to lay hands on me. And when he did this, I felt like an electrical charge go through my body. The hand of God was on me, and it was a miracle. I knew in an instant that I was healed. Miracles are happening at Believer's Fellowship, one mile north of the Cracker Barrel, off I-4, exit 33, Believer's Fellowship Church. Friday afternoon, it's time to get those Bibles ready. We're going to Ask the Preacher. Ask the Preacher with your host, John Freed, brought to you by Believer's Fellowship Church, located in North Lakeland on North Socrum Loop Road. It's Ask the Preacher time, and here's John. Well, hello there, everybody. Good Friday afternoon to you. It's not Good Friday, but it is a Good Friday. George, good to have you back in the studio today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're becoming uh, quite the regular voice on, on the air here. I hope people enjoy it. I, I love doing this. I hope people uh, <laughs> don't think my voice is too nasally and annoying. I hope people enjoy hearing my voice. I sure do. I, that's right. <laughs> Ah, well, we've had some uh, some great discussions before coming on the uh, the air here, and we'll see if we can just continue some things uh, with you fine folks. And, and um, you know, we have uh, Thanksgiving, um, depending on when you're listening to this program, might be uh, the week before Thanksgiving, might be the day after. This program might be repeated on uh, the next week, but... Um, the uh, none, nonetheless, there are some principles that hold true no matter when you hear them, no matter uh, what what circumstance or what uh, atmosphere, or what environment that the words uh, come out. Uh, you know, that's one great thing about Scripture. It remains true uh, no matter when you read it, no matter uh, the circumstance around. There's an answer to every piece of life in the Scripture. Uh, it will yes. it will teach us how to be brave, how to be courageous, uh, how to overcome difficulties, how to overcome fears, um, how to overcome things when when we fall into uh, deep sin, deep trouble, things that are our, uh, uh, that are purely our own fault. Um, it'll teach us how to stand up for what is right. It'll teach us uh, when to keep our mouth shut and when to turn the other cheek, when to defend our own honor, when to defend somebody else's honor, when to um, let ourselves be defrauded um, when just it's just everything is in the scripture. It's absolutely amazing. Um, today is um, the day when this is being recorded here, and, and uh, obviously, if you're listening on the 19th, this is live right here, right now. Today, Kyle Rittenhouse uh, was uh, proven innocent. The jury said innocent or not guilty of all the charges that were against him. Um, what a great day. What a great day. And, you know, I imagine there are some people that are very unhappy about the verdict, but uh, we're going to take the risk and, and talk about um, some of that. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I found very interesting is how the, the media portrayed something to be absolute fact 
uh, in, at the beginning of this uh, months ago. And then, and then now, uh, as this court battle has, has ensued, we see so many things that we were never told about at all. Um, and if, if any of these things come out, you know, they were made, oh, that's just a lie. That's what it, mainstream media just covered up and uh, pushed a particular narrative. And then when the real truth comes out in the, in the court system, uh, of course, we end up having the, the verdict that we have. But So there's a lot of places to, uh, I, I suppose, to spring off from, but uh, take it away, George. Well, I, I think today is a great day for self-defense and for yeah, America yeah. as a whole. So regardless of how you emotionally feel about the verdict, uh, it's arguably as pivotal as the OJ trial, you know, back in the, the 90s. And this is big because uh, there are two general, very you know, big uh, generalizations. There's the the left point of view, and then there's the uh, sane point of view. And the the left would look <laughs> at this verdict as it's it's horrendous, and it's setting a precedent that people can defend themselves, and yes, that's horrible. It is setting a precedent oh no! That people can defend the, you know, themselves. you you have a right to defend yourself. That's yes, terrible. Uh, and then the sane view is, well, of course, I have a right to defend myself. And so, putting emotions aside for a minute, yeah. let's just talk about some truths, some facts here. There are certain things called inalienable rights, and we've talked about this before on the program. An inalienable right is a right that is given to you by nature and nature's God, as our founders would describe it. Those rights are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. If you're all alone in the woods by yourself, you have certain rights. Uh, now, when you go into a community of other people and you all decide as a community that we want to do certain things, and so as a community, we're going to decide to either have certain privileges, we're going to give up certain inalienable rights in order to make our community work. For example, if you're all alone in the woods, you have the absolute right to be naked. But in society, society <laughs> says, let's not do that. Yeah. Uh, let's be clothed for various reasons. And so you give up an inalienable right, your right to be naked, in order to be part of society. What is an inalienable right that you should never give up are things like your right to life. Mm -hmm. You should not. It's just common sense no matter what your worldview is. If to be part of a society, they require you to immediately kill yourself, that is not a good right. society to join. So when the society then says, look, if you want to be part of our group, you got to not have self-defense. You might get murdered at some point. You might get killed at some point. But you're going to have to give up that right. Don't do that. That's not a good inalienable right to give up. That right for you to defend your life, if you're all alone in the woods and a bear attacks you, you defend your life by any means necessary against that bear. It's well, an inalienable right given to you by God. Well, the, the right to self-defense is not mentioned in the Constitution, but right to life that type of idea is given to us by God. So to, to the self-defense aspect is in defending my own life. Correct. Uh, and you it's, see it's that. It's implied. I mean, Yes, it's implied, but it, it has to be understood uh, and not just implied, but you see that in action in nature. Every Correct. mama bear defends the life of baby cub and would defend her own life as well. Papa bear will too. Uh, any creature that God has created will seek to defend itself if, it is, if its life is under attack. Correct. And so I think just from an inalienable right point of view, the precedent set today was you can't go out hunting people 
Kyle right. Rittenhouse did not go out hunting people. But you do have the right when a person or multiple people are attacking you, you have the right to protect your life. And that is huge because that is something that has been attacked yeah. for years now by the left. And it's attacked in every country where communism takes over. They want right. to take away your guns, take away your right to defense because a docile people are much easier to subjugate. Um, take a look at Australia. They gave up their guns in the 90s and, and now they're, they're going through now. Wow. literally having people dragged out of their houses. Well, this is going to be a great conversation today, folks. You're listening to Ask the Preacher. You say, boy, it sure is odd that preachers would be talking about guns and defending life. Nah, this is what preachers should have been doing for the last couple hundred years. And I'm glad we're doing it today. Stay tuned, folks. This afternoon's edition of Ask the Preacher was recorded earlier, so please hold your calls. Thank you. Let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher here on Talk Radio 96.7. Ask the Preacher with John Freed. Okay, folks, so uh, let's look at Luke chapter 22 and uh, Luke 22 verses 35 through 38. So maybe you have a Bible and you're turning there now. Uh, what, what are we going to find out about? Well, today our conversation, some of it, is uh, around the ideas of, uh, of, of self-defense or the, the right to defend our, our own life. Um, what the Bible would would say about those types of things. Uh, George, I think later on you'll end up talking about government and government's role um, in these types of things. This is Ask the Preacher. Our, our goal is to approach uh, everything from a biblical and spiritual perspective. Uh, I, I'm, I imagine sometimes I just simply throw my opinion in there, um, but I'm the one on this side of the microphone. George, <laughs> you are too. <laughs> anyway, it happens sometimes. But anyway, Luke chapter 22, verses 35 through 38, this is Jesus speaking. He said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or a knapsack and no sandals, did you lack anything? And they answered back saying, well, No, we lacked nothing. And then he said to them, But now uh, let the one who has the money bag take it, and likewise take a knapsack and let the one who does not have a sword sell his cloak and buy a sword. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me, and he was numbered with the transgressors, for what was written about me is not fulfillment. And he said, Lord, Lord, here are two swords. So this disciple says back, Lord, hey, look, 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 got two swords now. And Jesus says back to him, okay, that's enough. In other words, you don't need more than two. So if we were looking at modern-day weaponry of defense, it would not be a sword. It would be a gun. Yes. It's just the, the modern-day equalizer. The, or two of them, according to Scripture. Two I of mean. them. That's right. You know, it's an old Western here, right? One on each side, sidearms. But no, the, the, the idea would be that Jesus was not opposed to self-defense. There were a time— there was a time when he said, go with no means of defense, and he also said, go with no means of provision. He also said, go with no means of plan. Yep. Just go. And then he, later on, he says, now go with the plan, go with provision, and go with protection. And so it is not improper. It is not improper to have means of protection. So again, I just give that. That's just one place. There are other places. Um, but I just give that one place uh, of Luke chapter 22 verses 35 through 38. Now, let me bring that into a little little bit of balance. Um, remember, um, Jesus also said to, to Peter later on in Matthew, and, he, and, and also in the, in the book of John, remember, Peter cuts off the ear of, of, the soldier, of one of the soldiers that come to, to get Jesus. Right. 
And uh, Jesus says, hey, Peter, well, we'll put up your sword. If you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. So that goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the program when we opened up. The Bible gives us instruction as to when and when not to, how and how not to. Yes. Uh, and we have to rightly divide um, the word of, of truth. There are times where you stand up in defense, and there are times when you lay down your life. Um, the, the Bible is is so is such an amazing book. There's so much color in it. There's so much uh, passion in it. There's so much instruction, so much stability. It's just absolutely amazing. But it is a biblical right to defend yourself, to protect your own life in the right context at the right time, yeah. uh, for the right for the right reasons. Well, a question ask the preacher here. Mm-hmm. A question that people typically ask, thinking it's a I gotcha question is uh, in regards to violence. And they ask things like, how can God be genocidal in the Old Testament? Yet Jesus is, you know, in their point of view, this tree-hugging hippie, and, uh, you know, it's all about peace, man, and love. And (laughs) and you got to remember, it's just as you said, John, there are times at, during Jesus's earthly ministry from 30 to 33 years old, he was destined to die on the cross mm-hmm. and rise again mm-hmm. to be our replacement because that's what we deserve. We violated God's law. We deserve that punishment. He took our place. That's why he laid down his life. But that same Jesus is coming back again to establish his kingdom. And he's not going to do it by saying, hey, guys, let's all get together and love each other. No, no. He's coming and he is going to rule with a scepter or a rod of iron. Right. It is a forceful, violent thing. Hard-handed Jesus. That's that's correct. Violence is not a good or bad thing. It's a neutral. Correct. Violence is a tool. Well, a, a sword is not a correct. violent weapon. It it could be uh, used for any other person. It's neutral. It is in the hands of the holder. Correct. It, depending on how you use it, will determine intent. if it's moral or immoral. Correct. Now, I have three sons. My four-year-old son. He asked me the other day, did Jesus do something wrong when he hit the people in the temple? And I said, no, son, he didn't. He said, yeah, but it's not nice to hit people. I said, sometimes it is. Those people were violating God's law. They were making God a liar. They were taking advantage of people and they were stealing people's sacrifices. And Jesus, knowing the law and knowing that he was righteous to protect the law, drove those thieves out of the temple and he couldn't do it by just words alone. He had to use the tool of violence. It wasn't a a wrong thing for him to do. It was a good thing because it's Jesus doing it. So obviously it was good. And he used violence as a way to end sin. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying go out and be violent because Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Sometimes peace uh, as the old saying goes, if you want peace, carry a big stick. You know, that was Teddy Roosevelt, meaning you, you got to uh, have intimidation, but you don't necessarily need to use force. And uh, it is vitally important for young men, for men our age, middle-aged men, old men, to realize that uh, God is a God of war. And we need to make sure that we're being led by the Holy Spirit, matching that up with the Word of God to determine when is the appropriate time to use force, to use violence, to uphold righteousness. 
that same upholding of righteousness is, uh, if you want to temper it down some, is the same idea of discipline to our children. You know, the yeah. the, the switch on the backside, the paddle, or even the hand on the backside uh, inflicts pain. It's not a violent act. It's actually very much an act of love. Um, you know, and all of that is qualified by the heart of the person doing the action. Right, yeah. If if you're getting some kind of uh, sick, twisted pleasure out of uh, uh, as of physically hurting your children, you need help. Um, if you are looking with pure intent to say, "I am doing this as an act to train my children how to stay out of deeper pain, how to stay out of uh, bigger hardship." This is small potatoes here, but they have to understand the pain, uh, the the consequences of their action at a small level, so they don't experience the big level. Uh, so that that is, so to speak, a violent act, but it's not qualified as violent. It might be physical. It might have infl- the infliction of pain or even of tears afterwards, but it's not violence. Um, so in, in that same quantification, uh, to even to have killed someone in the act of self-defense, it's not murder. It's right. not murder. We have to judge these things uh, rightly. Exodus 22.2, pretty easy to, uh, to, re- to remember that reference, Exodus 22.2. I, t- I want to read it here so I make sure I say it correctly. Um, 22.2 and verse 3, if a thief is caught in the act of breaking into a house, this is New Living Translation, if a thief is caught in the act of breaking into a house, and is struck and killed in the process, the person who killed the thief is not guilty of murder. But if it happens in the daylight, the one who killed the thief is guilty of, of murder. Uh, the understanding there is to say if, if he could have prevented it and done stuff another way, uh, don't kill them. That's why I really like the laws that we have in America and in most states in America. You don't really have the right to take life in order to defend property. You have the right to take life in order to defend life, mm-hmm. not property, but life. And so when a person's life is in danger, now I might be defending my property, and now my life becomes in danger, I can defend my life. And that's really uh, quite the case that we have here with, with Rittenhouse. Uh, he's, he's out there on the streets. Somebody may say, well, he should have never brought a gun on the streets. Maybe, maybe not, you know, whatever. But nonetheless, when, when he got to the place where his life was in danger, um, even by the testimony, but by the, both the prosecution and the defense. Yeah. The man did everything he could not to discharge the, the weapon, uh, not to take any other's life. It almost cost him his own. He was real close. Uh, yeah, people get hit in the head with skateboards and, you know, they die. It's not like it's a foam nerf baseball bat. I mean, a, a skateboard and not only a skateboard, but there were other people like uh, Gage Grossman, he had a handgun. He was most likely going to shoot Kyle Rittenhouse. <clears throat> I mean, the guy had to defend himself. And you know, I, I, I do take kind of an exception to what you said, whether Kyle should have been out there or not. Here's the reality. You have governments, and I, I don't want to jump the gun too much. Bad pun. <laughs> jump the bad gun. pun. But the government <laughs> stood by and did nothing. So there was nobody else to defend righteousness other than the citizens. The citizens. Yeah. So, so Kyle goes out there to, to defend his, uh, his, uh, his hometown, or at least where his father lives. Uh, we only have a couple minutes till we have to go to a break, and we have Jack on the line. Hello, Jack. What say you? Hey, 
Hey, how are you doing? I have one comment real quick. Jesus was not a pacifist. You got I that remember right. Talking, I remember talking in the church about where he said something about sell your cloak, get a staff to protect your flock. And uh, you can clarify me on that, okay? And uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, we we read that verse um, right at the beginning of the second half here. So that's in in Luke chapter twenty two, verse thirty five. It begins there, and um, it's uh, eh, you, you you have the right concept there. A couple words were were uh, messed up there, but that's okay. The idea was he sent out his disciples um, at at first without any means of defense or any means of provision, but then later he sends them out with a plan, with provision, and with protection. And matter of fact, he tells them, sell your coat, buy a sword. The disciple comes back and said, hey, I found two, and Jesus says, okay, that's good. So the the understanding is yes, it is right to properly de- defend yourself. Hey, Jack, thanks for calling. I appreciate it very much. And uh, folks, we're at the bottom of the hour. We got to take one of these wonderful breaks. I hope you'll uh, hang in there for about seven or eight minutes, and we'll be back. You're listening to Ask the Preacher. We're here every Friday from five to six. We'll be back in a few minutes. This is Talk Radio ninety six point seven. We will be back in just a few minutes with more of Ask the Preacher. Kim Commando coming up next with her Digital Minute, along with an update from Fox Business. It's 5.30. Ask the Preacher this afternoon was recorded earlier, so please hold your calls. Welcome back to more of Ask the Preacher, a call-in talk show where you can have your Bible questions answered. Here's your host, John Freed. Welcome back, everybody. I'm um, glad you're listening today. And so um, we've been talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse case, uh, the verdict coming down, not guilty, involved charges. Um, how might a uh, Christian uh, person who conducts their life according to the Scriptures, uh, how might a person look at this? How, how should the response be? Um, on on one hand, you uh, might be upset that, you know, somebody uh, killed three people or four people um, and and walked away. Shot three, killed two. Shot three, killed two. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and walked away, you know, with un, unscathed, which would not really entirely be true. But on the other hand, you have people who say, man, this is a great victory for self-defense. Uh, it's a it's a great victory for uh, the Constitution. It's it's a great victory for a variety of of other ways. Um, I just want to want to throw this out there in in a in a balanced type perspective. Um, in one sense, I would like to say I don't ever want to see anybody die. On the other hand, if I have to balance that out and have to choose one life over another then there are some definite answers as to who I would rather die and who I would rather live. I'll give an example. Um, Jesus spoke about defending your own home, and he, and he said, if a thief coming into your home, uh, he has to first overtake the strong man, which means the man who is set to defend his home. And then he goes in, he overcomes the strong man, and then goes in and spoils his goods. Um, if somebody comes into my home... I want to be the stronger man. I want to, it is my my God-given, not just right, but my God-given responsibility. Yes, absolutely. It is a responsibility. To protect my wife and my children and my, even my own, my own life. Now, 
If somebody comes into my home and they're purely hungry and they need food, I might feed them. But I'm going to be very cautious because somebody who breaks in a window or breaks in a door, I don't know their full intent. Um, Am I going to inflict uh, deadly harm to somebody because they're walking down the sidewalk with my television? No. Take the television. It's... You know, the television is not much good for us anyway, right? Right. But, <laughs> but if they if they touch my wife, if they touch my daughter, if they touch my son, now my son's bigger than I am. He he might be the one defending all of us, right? But um, it is my God given right, not just not just a, a, a. I'm sorry. It is my God given responsibility. responsibility, not just my right to defend myself, but my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we we have got to get some things in line and proper order scripturally um, when it when it comes to the idea of turning the other cheek. Oh, I, I thought we were supposed to turn the other cheek. That's for for the gospel's sake. I'm not going to get in to a uh, to a match and a, a a fist fight over an understanding of of scripture. Um, but you're not going to harm. I, I don't know if we're allowed to say this this word on on air. You're not going to rape my my child or my wife. Not going to happen. I have a responsibility to defend them. For that matter, somebody else either, even the perfect stranger. Right. That's not going to happen. I have a God-given responsibility to protect and defend life. Yeah, there's a, there's something called extra-biblical truth. And what that is, it's truth that is found outside of the Bible uh, that still lines up with the Bible. For example, 2 plus 2 is 4. That is not explained for us in Scripture, in scripture yeah. but it is truth. Now, if someone claims to have truth that contradicts Scripture, uh, it's not true. It's a lie. Uh, however, there is a... Great quote. The only uh, thing needed for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. nothing. That is, in my opinion, an extra biblical truth. Uh, And when people who are supposed to defend righteousness do nothing, evil will continue to prevail. And to some extent, this is going to continue to happen until Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom where he makes all things new and he makes everything right. But that doesn't give us um, the opportunity to be lazy and cowardice Mm -hmm. and do nothing in the meantime just because someday Jesus is going to come back. And that's true. And that is the hope that I'm looking for is his return. And if he waits and I die before he returns, well, then I'll be with him in in paradise until he does return and I'll come back with him. But in the meantime, we are supposed to defend righteousness. We are supposed to take... uh, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is here, and those who take it, take it by force. Now, he was also referring to spiritually grabbing things by force, but, but it's true. The extra-biblical truth is that if good men do nothing, evil will prevail. And I'm not saying to be a vigilante, because Romans tells us how to treat government, how we're supposed to work within government. And one of the things that Romans chapter 12 tells us is that governments are established to protect good and punish evil. So this is thus saith George, not (laughs) thus saith the Lord, right? This is a thus thinketh George moment. In my opinion, when a government becomes the opposite, when a government begins to punish good and reward evil, they are allowing themselves to be 
an illegitimate government. Now, there have been illegitimate governments throughout human history. Mm -hmm. The Egyptians enslaved the Israelites. Pontius Pilate allowed the mob to rule, just like they tried to do in Kenosha today. He allowed the mob to rule. And well, as they were doing months ago. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, they, they took an innocent man and crucified him on the cross. They crucified Jesus. And so there has been governments that have served injustice throughout history. And even in our own nation, we have a holocaust of uh, six million children every year. Yeah. Murdered. Babies ripped apart limb by limb. And there are people in our government who not only support it, they are fanatical advocates for yeah. it. They are proselytizing for it. And it is wicked and it is evil and it is unjust. And those representatives, in my opinion, are illegitimate, not because of illegitimate processes, which there may be evidence of those things, but they're illegitimate because of their moral stance. Every law comes out of somebody's morality, whether it's a law on taxes or a law on putting an apple pie on your windowsill, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, which there are all kinds of crazy laws like yeah. that from the 17 and 1800s. But every single law comes out of somebody's morality. Every law. Because politics is downstream of culture and culture is downstream of your worldview and your worldview is who is God and what's man's relationship with him. So in other words, at the top, who is God? Then that's how I respond. So that's the next step. And then after that, we develop our lawful structure politics. Correct. And so when a representative of a government or an entire government bases their morality on their own thoughts, they base it on sand, they base it on the whim of the day. It won't be upheld for long. It's not going to be upheld for long. And it's illegitimate because there's there's truth and then there's a lie. The word of God, the Bible is true. Jesus is the truth, and anything that is established outside of him is a lie, and it's not true. And we talked last week about, does Jesus really have all authority? We as Christians, so this is Ask the Preacher, and we are preachers, and we believe Jesus is who he says he is, and the Bible is what it proclaims to be. But if, if you really believe that, then you're proclaiming that Jesus has all authority, meaning he has authority in the political realm as well. Yeah. And if you take him out of that realm of authority, then he's not Lord of all, or he doesn't have all authority. He only has the authority that you allow him to have. That political realm, that governmental realm, you've excluded him from that. Correct. Absolutely. Here's a bold statement. People aren't going to like this one. So if you are not voting and supporting things that Jesus would support, Jesus is not your Lord. It's that That's simple. Correct. It is that plain and simple. Meaning, if you support candidates who murder babies— Jesus is not your Lord. You I, became the boss of your life, absolutely, not Jesus. Absolutely, because you are not putting him as the ultimate authority in your life. You want him to be your religious authority. That's not good enough for him. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. The whole gospel from Genesis to the last verse of Revelation is about one thing, him redeeming us so that we can be part of his kingdom because of what he did, not because of what we've done. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. That's right. Yeah. Hey, uh, we mentioned uh, it came up, the subject matter of abortion. I want to throw out a website to you, lakelandunborn.com, lakelandunborn.com. Um, hopefully within short order. It might take us a long fight, but we'll be fighting from now until it's completed. 
We'll make Lakeland an abortion-free city. George, we'll come back and talk about uh, all these issues in just a couple minutes. Folks, we're going to take a break. Stay with us. About two and a half minutes, we'll be back with more Ask the Preacher. Ask the Preacher this afternoon was recorded earlier. Please hold your calls. Once again, let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher. It's brought to you by Believer's Fellowship Church in North Lakeland. Here's John. Welcome back, everybody, to Ask the Preacher. Just a few minutes left in today's program. And uh, so today we talk about this verdict that that came down the line. Um, You know, some people might be rejoicing. Other people might be lamenting um, personally. Uh, I have a a little mixed bag on on both sides. Um, You know, I've mentioned a couple things out in balance. Uh, generally speaking, folks, it's not a good idea to go uh, walking through a, a, a crowded event of any sorts, whether it be a good event or a bad event, um, with a with an open uh, weapon. It, it, it's just a little dangerous. Not saying you don't have the right to do so. I'm just saying eh, you better make sure you know what you're doing. Right. Um, and and I will say this, uh, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, even in defending himself. Whether you think he should have been out there or not, um, whether you think he got away with something or or not, um, it, it was a quite the trying experience for him, his his family. You say, well, there are other people that that lost their life. Um, maybe we'll talk about that for for just a moment. Um, I'm, you know, I, I am one that wants everyone to turn to repent. Absolutely. To come to the Lord, especially before death, because yes. that's the, the the final line there. Um, but uh, very, very rough question. George, I'll ask you the question. How many people do you think somebody should be able to rape before uh, they get taken off the streets in one way or another? Well, I have a pretty strong opinion on that. I think the first offense should be your last. And, uh, you know, my view is I don't want to spend taxpayer dollars to— um, a person who's a uh, serial abuser, abuser uh, yeah. in a system for for a long time. I think we should just, uh, as the old saying goes, uh, send them to their maker and let God sort it out. <laughs> so that's my opinion on now, that. Now you know what I'm referring to. Yeah, uh, Rosenbaum. He was one of the gentlemen that was. Uh, I don't know if I'd call him a gentleman, but yeah, yes, I got yeah, you. That's true. That's he's he's one of the uh, one of the guys, one of the thugs, perpetrators of, of that, evilness. Uh, well, he was. Um, the only reason I call him a, a thug or, or, you know, a hoodlum uh, is because he had just gotten out of an insane asylum that day, and um, he abuses kids. He, he, he um, sodomized five boys under the age of 11, you know. So not a great character, not a great character at all. And then you have the, the left that will prop that Rosenbaum up as uh, just a, just a wonderful law abiding, just a, a beautiful person. Yeah, it's uh, insane. That's that shows the demented character of uh, leftists. So here's the question: It doesn't start with, "Hey guys, let's take a five time uh, child abuser, ch- sexual trauma, horrible things this guy did." Mm-hmm. And this isn't conjecture; he was arrested for these things. Um, it, it doesn't start there. Where does it start? How do people? How does the ideology of the left even begin? Well, I would say it begins with the denial of who God is, or that there is a God. Even fair enough. They they look at the the Creator and despise and demise Him. 
They stop being grateful for the breath that they have in their own lungs. They they begin to twist and pervert the truth that, that God has given and over a process of time become very demented in their own thinking. Yeah. Romans chapter 1, um, we, we could go down the line there, but if you look at Romans chapter 1, about verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. This is basically talking about God reveals himself in every way possible to man. Nobody is without excuse, even if it's by, by nature itself. Verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, and neither were they thankful but they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish, stupid stupid heart. Now, I know that sounds bad, but that's what the Bible says. Uh, yeah. Their foolish, stupid heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Yeah. And I, I you know, it's appropriate that we are in the Thanksgiving uh, season. You know, Thursday coming up here uh, is going to be Thanksgiving and um, Yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this. Possibly. <laughs> and I think it's vitally important for those of us who do acknowledge who God is, that we remain thankful. Uh, because the Bible warns time and time again for us not to think of ourselves more highly know, than more we highly, are. Yeah, because we could fall into the you know, same sins that, yeah. that somebody else falls into. None of us are righteous on our own. Our good works are like filthy rags. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, that's a generous way of saying it. The Bible makes it a little bit more graphic than that. And so as we go into this holiday season and throughout the rest of the year, you know, you got New Year's and we look at the resolutions and everybody looks forward to hopefully a much better 2022 already. That's insane. Where did 2021 go? (laughs) But um, I'm incredibly thankful for the country we live in. Yes, exactly. And the fact that we still have people, again, regardless of how you view the verdict, there was some level of jury intimidation. I mean, it's impossible to not be intimidated when you got people on bullhorns uh, saying things like, you know, we demand a certain verdict. And so I'm thankful that people in that jury and and hopefully uh, people throughout the country will continue to have backbones and spines and stand for – the rule of law, whether you agree with the verdict or not, they stood for the process and the rule of law, and I think that's great. And I'm, I'm, I'm I think it's a big win for today. And I'm, I'm it is definitely something that. to be very thankful for. And and America, I am grateful to see what has happened because it simply says to me, America still has this in her fabric, still has this understanding of law and what is what is righteous whether whether it's whether it fits in our uh, understanding and the, the way we like everything or not it is law and it is good it is it is right and it's still within our fabric it's being diminished day by day and so today we saw a sign of uh, a strong thread a threefold cord possibly if if you will which is very hard to break Um, You know, I'm grateful, I'm thankful that there are people all over this nation that are um, beginning to speak out and beginning to stand up and saying, hey, this this stuff that has 
pushed us back and, and tried to mow us over. We're standing up to this thing. It is a righteous noncompliance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not this idea to say, well, I just don't want to do it because the government is telling me to. No, we have to rightly understand when it is right for the government to and when it is right when it is not right for the government to. And when it's not right, the people must stand up. Why? Because America is we the people. Right. One of the best ways you can stand up is by praying. Go to libertycalling.us. January yeah. 1st, we are going to saturate our city with prayer. With prayer. All over the place. That's libertycalling.us. 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 Folks, you're listening to Ask the Preacher. I'm John Freed in the studio here also with George Locke. And uh, we're glad that uh, that you've joined us. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, celebrate. Enjoy family. Enjoy God. Enjoy country. God bless you. Deliverance with love.